Hello and welcome to the Music Works podcast. I'm Katie Beardsworth, Director and Founder of Polyphony Arts, and I'm delighted to welcome Stephen Maddock, OBE, for the first of two episodes in which he shares some of his wisdom and experience as Chief Executive of one of the country's leading arts organisations, the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. As someone who has worked their way to the top of the industry through a number of differing roles and who is now very much involved in the hiring strategy of the CBSO, Stephen shares his views and advice on the recruitment process and how to build your career in the arts in a post-COVID world. In our second episode, he'll be talking about how the orchestra survived lockdown and is emerging stronger and more vibrant than ever. We'll also catch a glimpse into the CBSO's exciting new project to open a new school offering an academic secondary education with a strong musical focus in one of the most deprived local authority areas in England. But before we hear from Stephen in the first of these two exciting episodes, here's a message from our sponsor. Music Works is generously supported by Allianz Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Allianz offer a team of music experts who understand musicians' needs and lifestyles, especially helpful during the strange times we're in. You can get cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment with protection against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. And, unlike home insurance, there's no excess to pay on instrument or accessory claims. At the moment, Allianz have a special online offer with two months free cover. Not only that, every Allianz music policy now includes free legal assistance and support, so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Find out more at alliansmusic.co.uk. Allianz, serving the music community since 1960, Proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. And now let's go over to the Music Works studio where Stephen Maddock is waiting to talk to us. Hi Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, nice to be here. Yeah, wonderful to see you. Um, so today we're talking to Stephen Maddock, Chief Executive of the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. And we've got a great episode lined up for you. We're going to talk about um, what the CBSO has been up to over the past couple of years um, and in the future. And we're also um, going to talk about recruitment in the arts, um, which Stephen is an expert on. And I'm sure there'll be some great tips in this for you all. Um, so let's start with um, recruitment in the arts. So let's talk about this. this is something we talked about um in a, in a conversation we had a few months ago and uh, the people who listen to this podcast, uh, I believe uh, many of them are people who work in the arts, whether it's as performers, um, administrators, managers, um, composers, a whole range of, of interest. And um, we have we have a you know the tail end hopefully of a pandemic on our hands we have a, a lot going on in the sector we have a lot going on in the world of employment generally um and it would be great to talk to you about um how this appears to you in your position as um being the head of an organization that employs a, a lot of people in the arts yeah it's 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 an interesting and i think quite fast moving picture i i think i mean first thing to say is we we are more fortunate than some in that we didn't um we didn't make any redundancies uh when covid came along we that was a quite deliberate choice we um found out quite quickly that the government support schemes would would work okay for us because our musicians are employed so our staff are employed the job retention scheme was was very very helpful and and gave support while we were not working and then the cultural recovery fund 
uh, which came along then in later 2020, gave us um, the funds to carry out some, you know, some otherwise loss-making activity. We were keen to get, you know, digital activity, console activity back happening, and the cultural club was trying to help with that. So we we didn't have what pretty much every other large arts organisation and a lot of smaller ones as well in Birmingham had, which was the need to make you know, a third or half of the staff redundant. That said, you know, we didn't do much recruitment for a while, uh, and certainly in the orchestra, you know, we've had retirement, so we've got quite a lot of vacancies. I think we've got over 20 vacancies in the orchestra at the moment, and we have had some vacancies in the staff as well from people who've moved on to do other things. My two of my, well, actually, during the since the start of the pandemic, actually, four of my five of my senior leadership team have moved on to other great jobs elsewhere. Um, so we've been recruiting senior roles, but also at a junior level as well. Um, and so talking to others in, in the city about this, definitely there is a real skill shortage at the sort of, um, you know, more junior, less well-paid end of things, because lots of people left the pro profession. The same is true of freelance musicians. I mean, we're still getting lots of applications for our permanent jobs because we always get, you know, hundreds. But I know that the freelance pool has shrunk somewhat because lots of musicians who you know who didn't benefit from much government support if they were freelance um uh you know have left the profession to go on to do something else that's perhaps a bit more secure um so that is, that is definitely a challenge and i think you know technicians me talking to my colleagues at simply hall and at the other venues in the city you know um technical staff box office front of house, catering, those kinds of areas, um, quite quite hard to, 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 to find people. Um, we've, in terms of our senior roles, I've been pleasantly surprised by the number of applicants we've had. Um, I think there is, you know, there's definitely a, a debate um, for our sector now uh, as the extent to which any job can be done from anywhere. Uh, and you know, I've had some, had you know, had some conversations, frankly, with people who've been th thinking of applying for jobs here or have actually done so, about asking them just to sort of, yeah, I mean, we don't make any requirements on this. You don't have to live in Birmingham, but asking them to really think for themselves about how much time they would need to be in Birmingham and whether they can really manage that, given where they live. So I, I think that's the bit that hasn't quite settled down yet. I don't know how you're finding that. Yeah, well, it's interesting because um, because I run a remote team anyway and did before the pandemic, although it's grown a lot recently. Um, I, what is my perspective on this? I suppose I'm, I'm seeing that we do quite well for recruitment, very well for recruitment. And I think that a big part of that is because um, we are completely remote and it's clear that you can do the job from anywhere. Um, but I do. I mean, personally, I think there are pros and cons to remote work anyway, which we we do try very hard to, um, you know, to address in the way that we manage our team, but it, within my company. But also, um, you know, working with orchestras, working in the arts. One of the reasons it's been so vulnerable during the pandemic is because it has an absolute basic requirement to be in a place with other people. <laughs> um, otherwise, you know, you just can't you can't replicate this. Um, in any other way so I suppose it's interesting for me to hear you know what what kind of is there an answer to this is there a sort of proportion of work as a, as a sort of let's say a, a person who is in the 
leadership or management team for an orchestra that can be done remotely and a proportion that can be done on site? Yeah, I think, I mean, certainly, again, again pre-pandemic, I always did, <clears throat> when, when, when possible, did, did do a day a week working from home because for me that was just the moment to sort of knuckle down, get my inbox back under control, do any any writing, any sort of thinking, things that, you know, perhaps slightly more long form uh, uh, activities like, like that. Um, you know, funding bids or annual reports or whatever, you know, very difficult to do in the office when it's, it's busy building. CBS Centre is the, the basis for, is the base for all of our activity and our staff and our rehearsals and our players in and out, choirs in and out. So there's always stuff happening there. Um, so, so I've always, you know, felt we, we've always had reasonably good um, IT uh, sort of dial-in systems and stuff. Um, I think definitely the permanent change, there's a permanent change for me around sort of business meetings. So I have only been to London once in the last two years, and that was because we did a prom last summer. Um, that is the only day I've been to London. Uh, you know, for, 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 for meetings with people in the profession, whether that's other orchestra uh, managers or, or agents or publishers or, or you know, that, that kind of stuff. All of that stuff can be done online. Nobody needs to be getting on trains and planes to, to do that. Such an inefficient use of time. Certainly, you know, for me to go on the train to London and do two or three one-hour meetings and then have another two hours coming back, it's, you know, it's just not not necessary. So I think that change is permanent. In terms of the the jobs that that, that we have on on the staff um, side, um, we've sort of set two principles, but it's definitely we've got a policy that we've adopted in the last six months, but it's definitely, you know, a bit, there's a little bit of suck it and see as to how this goes. So the two principles are clearly, you know, if you are involved in activity, you need to be where that activity is happening. There is no point having a platform manager who doesn't come to work and put the stands and chairs and instruments out. There's no point having a librarian that, you know, doesn't come and sort out the physical music. So, so um, some jobs, therefore, inevitably are, are, are always going to be much more in-person now that we're doing the in-person activity. The second principle is that we think that everybody, whatever the role, should be in the office at least 50% of the time. So, so the reason here is as much as anything about how teams work and te team dynamics. So, you know, we have five departments at CBSO, concerts, learning engagement, marketing and communications. De uh, development and finance resources and each of those teams is you know between five and ten people they need to see each other they need to talk to each other i think particularly where you have um new staff and staff who are sort of relatively early career i think they need the support advice learning you know direction from people uh, the people around them and the people above them people who've been there longer um it's obviously easier if you've been around a very long time, doing your job a very long time. There's more of it you can do from home, but if you're doing it and you, you want that osmosis of just picking stuff up from watching what's going on in a, in a big open plan office in our case. Um, and I think, frankly, you know, one's home, um, home working uh, facilities, you know, very widely. It's all very well. A lot of the sort of let's carry on work from home culture from the top of organizations has come from people who you know live a comfortable commute away have fantastic broadband and you know a computer per person in the house and and all of that 
And if you are younger and, you know, earning less money, you are less likely to have all of those things. So frankly, you might well prefer to come to the office where all those things are provided safely rather than being perched on the bed in your in, in, in your bedroom trying to, you know, do Zoom calls. So so I think trying to be very flexible about those things, trying to be be led to an extent by what people would like to do, what works for them. And, you know, certainly a bit less commuting is is no bad thing for the for the planet. Um, uh, but I but I but I think that you know remote working is good for basic communication of you know decisions and facts and you know what's happening. Um, it's it's not great for creative teams, um, for nuance, for um, discussion and debate where people might where you might want to resolve differing views about things. I think I think those things are not great. So for instance, all of our strategy time, uh, sort of management strategy sessions and our board strategy sessions, we did one last week, uh, we've tried to do all of that in person because actually doing those kinds of things on a on a video call is is not great. Board normal board meetings we've done on video calls and you know you go you work down the agenda, you say yes, no, any comments, you work through it. But why are we here? What do we want to do? Who's got ideas? I think is definitely always better in person. Thank you. You've clarified that really well. There's some some really great points there, and uh, I agree with. Uh, we have a similar. I think the fifty percent in the office thing is interesting because I was I was thinking about that in the context of my company, and we've we've just instigated a a policy of fifty percent of our team time be, of our of our team members doing their work within certain core hours within the day. So it's exactly the same reasons that you need to be able oh, okay. to work to get together as yeah. a team, and you need to be able to come to meetings and. And access each other. So um, I was sort of thinking, oh, I wonder how we'd replicate that. And then I was like, oh, we already do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is exactly. nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, I agree. It's, about... the many, it's the great minds sort of working together. It's it's social content. You know, this is why we work, isn't it? It's yeah. to be around other people. It's community uh, and to, culture. And you know, um, yeah, absolutely. Good, good relationships are so important. Um, so what do you think that people um, kind of navigating an arts career at the moment need to know? Um, that could be quite a big question. There's obviously various career levels and so on at play, but, you know, take it however you'd like to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a really good question. I mean, in, you know, in terms of the sort of more general career advice, I often give people... Um, there, there are certainly some, you know, some very core skills that, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't think you, I don't think you would ever suffer in a career in the in the arts by being a bit better at maths, for instance. Uh, speaking of someone who has bullied his children into doing maths for as long as they can, um, uh, uh, and considering how many people one meets in the arts who are frankly, uh, you know, fairly innumerate, um, uh, I think that's good. Um, I think, you know. A very general piece of advice I always give people is, you know, there are lots of jobs in the arts, in fact, most jobs involve, that involve some processes that are tiresome and repetitive and boring. Uh, and this does not stop as you get more senior. Um, it is a necessary evil. Uh, my advice is always, whatever your job, do it to the best of your ability with the greatest enthusiasm you can muster, uh, and you will have a chance to progress. If you give off constant vibes of I'm too good for this or I only want to do the interesting things 
and delegate the dull stuff to somebody else, actually, you probably won't advance in your career. Um, I don't think those are the people who get given greater opportunities. The people, certainly we promote a lot from within with the CBSN, the people we promote are the people who show the right kind of attitude of knuckling down and getting on with stuff and completing all the things that they are working on, not just the ones that they fancy. Um, I think I think probably something that the pandemic has accelerated is, um, I think for people at any level now, including right up to, to, to sort of senior management, it is no longer an option to say that you don't do technology or social media or computers or you know all things digital i think that's now just become one of the things that we all have to know about um you know we don't have to be experts but i do so much decision making now uh particularly the more senior you get but actually even in the more junior revolves around you know the use of technology um as a you know as a creative tool as a way of communicating with audiences as a way of managing data as a way of um just you know making your working life simpler faster quicker more effective so I, I don't you know the days of probably you know my age and a little bit older the people who would be able to say oh well, i don't you know i just don't i don't do emails i don't do technology that's for you know my staff to do i just think about vision you know i i, I just think that's no longer going to be a good way to to have a career to be honest i don't i mean i'm i'm good at some things i'm less good at others um but I, I make it my business to, to understand enough to, to be able to sort of support good decision making within the business. And I, I find actually, you know, it's, it's, it's good advice. Um, if you're struggling with any of that, just find the youngest person you can and ask them, uh, because obviously, the, you know, the younger people coming into the workforce are more likely to have significant, uh, strong digital skills. Um, but uh, I, I think there's, perhaps been a slight tendency, not just musicians, but sort of people in the arts more generally to think oh, that's not what we do. We do the creative bit and we don't do the, the technology bit. And I think actually now that's kind of unavoidable. And, and you're missing out on you know, lots of things that can make your life easier and more enjoyable if you if you won't go near um, the, the digital thing. So so I think that's probably probably good advice to people as well. Be on, you know, be on top of your inbox, understand how um yeah, how outlook works understand how the database works understand you know how how um social media works i think that's kind of unavoidable now thank you yeah absolutely the um the the meeting of creativity and um kind of marketing and digital marketing has has really happened hasn't it they've not they don't exist <laughs> they exist together now not separately <laughs> thank you i think that's right yeah yeah Great. Okay. Well, that's a great, um, a great piece of advice. Thank you. And what do you think people should be looking for in terms of good recruitment and um, uh, and kind of early work experiences in the arts? You know, in those kind of entry level jobs. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I um, funny if I'm I'm doing some some uh, sort of quick conversations with with people who are leaving. Um, my, my old college uh, soon. So we'll discuss this, I, I'm sure, quite a bit. I think definitely what we're looking for in, in people first sort of entry level jobs is some sign that this is also a passion of theirs, that they're not just applying because it's a job, you know, 
and, and they need a job. So, so um, when you're looking at a lot of very similar CVs, the people who've you know been secretary of the music society at their college or have volunteered on summer camps with um, you know young musicians or have you know been part of a committee of of you know a choir or a band or a brass band or something else that they take part in. I think those things are always good indicators of someone who's perhaps got a bit more personality, a bit more um, drive, um, co commitment that it is their passion rather than just something they turn up and do. Um, you know, I've it, quite often in recruiting into sort of um, orchestra management and sort of planning type, sort of concert management type roles, I've, I've often gravitated towards people who work for festivals because I think even if you've just done sort of three weeks volunteering at a, at, a, at a music festival or arts festival, that is probably worth um, as many months or if not as many years in, in, in sort of paid employment at other times because you just learn so fast. If you're involved, I did some work experience, uh, some festivals before I did got my first job and, and had done a lot of volunteering and sort of running things when I was in college. And I, I just think you learn a lot very, very quickly. Um, I also think actually because our jobs, even though, you know, we have over 40 people at the CBSA, we have a relatively large staff, um, nevertheless, most jobs are really very wide ranging. So, so yes, you specialise, but within that specialism, you're doing a wide range of things. Um, so I think, I have to say, I have more often recruited people from small organizations where they've done a wide range of things than people from very large organizations where they might have been very, very specialist. Because I just think that attitude of mind of, I've got to cover a wide range, a wide waterfront of different things is, is going to be the right skill set to deal with jobs at the CBSO. We are nothing if not busy. Talking to my my one of my newish new members of senior management who'd worked at a few other organizations in the arts. He said to me, you know, on reflection after, you know, six months in the job, um, that actually this was the base, both the greatest um, positive and, and the greatest challenge about working in CBSA was just we are so busy. So the, the pace at which you have to work, which can at times be a bit scary, but also is the thing that sort of gets you up out of bed and, 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 and motivated, which is that you might be doing this variety of different things. You know, we have a role that is very local within Birmingham that is regional that is national and is international and you might be working on a mix of those things you know each working day so i think people who have shown they can multitask that they can deal with multiple projects simultaneously are certainly for us it's not this is not for everyone but for us are more likely to be the people that we will want to take on and, and, and then promote than the people who are very focused on doing one thing brilliantly until it is done and then they move on to the next thing because actually that's generally a luxury that, that we can't afford in such a busy organisation. Yeah, I do think that's reflected in arts jobs more generally. I've certainly never had an arts job that didn't involve a very wide range of skills and doing multiple things very either very quickly or literally all at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so yes, that sounds uh, reflected in my experience too. Um, as it happens, I also did lots of volunteering and spent three weeks as a runner at Cheltenham Music Festival before I started my uh, my go. career. And I talked I talked about Cheltenham at I, I every bet, single interview. Great. 
Oh, yeah. it was wonderful. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was. It was um, deeply eye-opening and and a really great experience. But also, it didn't matter how senior I got. I still talked about it at every single job interview that I ever did for jobs of the arts. So, yeah, it was valuable. Um, I have a lot of opinions about um, the um, about working for free or working as a volunteer or working as a, a an un or very low-paid intern and and like where that sits in a career and ideally as little as possible but I could certainly say that three weeks at Cheltenham was well worth the uh, the three weeks unpaid in terms of what it did for my future career. Yeah I, I totally agree with that I think you know a, a few a few a few weeks um, you know uh, uh, unpaid if you're getting good opportunities for you know a, an organisation that frankly you know that wouldn't exist as a paid job anyway is yeah. is, is one thing uh, long unpaid internships at organisations that really could be affording to do paid jobs is something altogether different. Yeah, could or should be affording anyway, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So I want to know what you spent seven years doing. No, I spent, I spent, <laughs> yes, well, I spent seven years organising the problems. So, so right. you know, which obviously was paid, that was a paid job. But, um, but, but in terms of the, the pace and, and at that stage it was a very very small team so there were about six of us year round but the but the others were all doing uh marketing and press including for the BBC orchestras and and finance so in terms of the planning of the, the season and all that liaison with agents and orchestras and so on that was basically just me working to a part-time artistic director um so I, which is ridiculous, really. It was only in my last year there that I got somebody permanent uh, to, to work with me. Uh, and, it, and it is a rather bigger team now. But, you know, and this I was doing this pre-email and everything else. So this was this was all, you know, letters, phone and faxes. Uh, he's a granddad. Um, but uh, it was, it, it certainly taught me how to be really, really efficient in communication, decision-making, um, you know, prepare for conversations you know if you're talking to a conductor or an artist you know you want to get that whole discussion done in one conversation if you can say prepare 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 and then uh be ready to do that you know you can't sit around dithering saying well maybe this maybe that we'll have another conversation in a week's time you know so so that was that that definitely made me and, and very sort of concise in in letters and faxes and communications and so on you know nobody needs to hear an essay on those things what am i playing when who with how much um so so i think that was that was good prep for a busy role at the cbsn i've probably been guilty of bringing a certain amount of those expectations as to you know how hard people have to work to to the day job here uh, i've um i so often think about the the way things used to run my um my dad was a um an arts um manager and stage manager throughout his career and he was managing the Royal Northern Symphonia in the 80s before there was a Royal Northern Symphonia and he once told me about how they did their program notes and they and I'm sure this will you'll know this but and I think that I'm remembering what he told me correctly was that they had to be posted in to his secretary like months and months before the concert and then she had to type them up into the concert program format and I just remember thinking uh, just reflecting briefly on how I would do my job without Google <laughs> and, you know, pull together artist biographies and uh, and do my research and everything um, without Google. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. 
Oh, and, and in my case, without, without, I mean, I did used to do my, this job and my previous jobs without um, music streaming services. So if you were looking yes. at a, you yeah. know, if you were building a, like a family concert with lots of short pieces and, or, or an opera gala or something, and somebody would suggest a piece, I would, you know, think, okay, I, well, when I was working at BBC, you could order the CDs from the gramophone library and they would arrive two or three days later and you would take them home and try and find the, the bit of music that was being talked about. Um, and, and even when I was first at CBSO, you know, I would think, OK, if I want to think about this piece that's been suggested, next time I go to London, I will have to find time to go to HMV where I can buy the record with my own money or maybe if I can put it on expenses to bring home and listen to the three minute overture that is being suggested in order to decide <laughs> whether it can go in our programme or not. So God bless Spotify. God bless <laughs> the music. God bless YouTube. I mean, a whole lot of stuff has got easier. Other stuff has got harder, but those things have got a lot easier. Yes, absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. It's been really great to talk to you about this. Um, any final any final words for the, the budding arts um, <laughs> professionals of the, <laughs> of the moment? I think hang, hang on in there. They, you know, you will be needed. Um, you know, we, we still need you know, keen, passionate, energetic, uh, bright young things coming into uh, our profession. You need to come and show, you know, the, the, the old boys like me how to do our jobs and uh, carry that forward for, for, for the future. So please do so. We have a youth ambassador scheme at CBSO, which is a dozen young people aged 15 to 21 who are involved in uh, planning a concert that we'll do in March. Uh, they're in charge of that. They decide what goes in the programme. Uh, they do the marketing, the presentation, everything else. Um, and they come and advise us on all the things we should be doing differently. So you cannot have enough of that voice of the next generation if we want our sector to have a future. So um, don't, don't, don't give up. Please, you know, come and, come and join us and, and make, uh, make the future for, for, for our sector um, as exciting as you want it to be. Oh, thank you so much um, for that. That's very motivating. <laughs> thank you so much, Stephen, for talking to us today. Applying for jobs can be really daunting and it's often hard to know just what people are looking for or the right decisions to make in crafting a successful career. So your advice will be of huge value to our listeners, many of whom are still building their profile and looking for the next step to take them forward in their professional lives. Tune in to our next episode where we talk to Stephen about the work of the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra and their new outreach project, the Shireland CBSO School. You can find out more about the orchestra and Stephen himself at the CBSO website, cbso.co.uk. Stephen, it's been a great privilege to have you as our guest on Music Works today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, 
Serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening.